This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome board folks, Dr. Charles Parker. Here we are in the new year, and we're so excited about the opportunities that are coming up this new year. And, you know, what we've done here at Core Brain Journal for the entire, we've been working for more than two years now, to put the message out there, we think that the public is going to change the way individuals are taken care of. We think that it's very important B2B for doctors to be talking to doctors, but the real issue is uh, public transformation. When the public becomes aware of what's going on with brain science and the things we can do to enhance brain science. And today we are very privileged to have a guy who is a nootropic expert. Now, some of you don't even know what a nootropic is. We're going to be talking about that. And so we've invited David Tomans coming in. David, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. So it's going to be a lot of fun. David is a nootropic expert, my friends. He understands brain function on a much deeper level than most of us do. And I'm going to be learning from him, as I often do right here in front of you folks, because he's going to tell us together a lot of very interesting things about the evolution of brain science. And we got so excited talking before we started this recording. We're going to do three of these. And if we have some special requests from the audience out there, we may do four. If you have some hot idea that you think David might be interested in, we're going to do Today, we're going to hit PTSD like it's never been talked about before on the airwaves. I mean, David is on it, folks, and we're going to have a very interesting thing with peer-reviewed references on nootropics and brain supplements for PTSD. Some people don't want to call it PTSD. They want to call it PTS, and that could be all kinds of different things, including brain injury. We'll talk about that. Then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about aging down the road and uh, the decline as a person advances in years. And then we're going to talk also in another time down the road, think my friends, and you know me on this topic, ADHD, I, I don't like the word ADHD because ADHD is, a, in my opinion, a fashion show diagnosis. It's how you look, it's not who you are. And we're really dealing with who you are, what your brain is really doing, and executive function is the new term that all the world experts are using when they're talking about prefrontal cortical disarray, which is really what happens with quote-unquote ADHD. So we have a very interesting series of, of uh, discussions coming up, and I'm really grateful, David, for you coming on board. And what I'm going to do is start by just helping you start the process of telling us who you are. You know, we had a very interesting conversation before we started going. We're just talking a little bit. Uh, David's out in, I think you're out in California, aren't you, David? I'm in South Florida. South Florida, okay. You just Close look like you're in California. <laughs> Close to Miami. <laughs> so David's going to tell us about himself and how he got into this, which to me is very interesting. And then we're going to talk about the nuances and the details. So David, let's get going. What, you know, I, I asked you, are you a doctor? And you said, no, I'm not. Well, let's go ahead and talk about who you actually are and go on down the road with that subject. Okay. My current iteration in my current career is a direct response copywriter and I write sales copy. I write the junk mail for the natural health industry. And I got involved in writing specifically about dietary supplements and then even more specifically narrowed down to 
uh, brain supplements once I started working for a couple of supplement companies that create these what we call stacks. And I can explain that in a little bit. And it was a natural for me because I've been using nootropics myself for the last 12. I was diagnosed adult ADD 12 years ago. And I was also diagnosed PTSD at during that same psychiatric session that I had with this guy, which it took me about seven years to figure out where that came from. But the adult AD was like an aha moment for me because I've been struggling with focus all of my adult life. I managed to work in, I've been in marketing one way or another, working as an executive for some very large companies. I worked, I was a national sales manager for a cosmetics company. And then I ended up down in the Caribbean and I helped build the first mobile telephone company in the Caribbean. I was in charge for the, of their sales and marketing for the entire Eastern Caribbean. And every performance report that I got, my annual performance, the boss sat me down once a year to tell me how I did. And it was always really, really good. He said, you know, you're really good at what you do. You're a fantastic manager. You're a great salesman yada, yada, yada. But one thing you can't, you, you've got a problem with is you've got to learn how to focus. And so I bought the books and I did everything to try to figure out why I could not focus. It never occurred to me that it was a physical problem with my brain. Yeah. Then 12 years ago, my wife introduced me to this rock star psychiatrist up in Palm Beach. He sat me down and within 10 minutes, he had diagnosed me adult ADD and PTSD and he prescribed Ritalin. So I started using Ritalin, and it was like somebody turned the lights on in my brain. I mean, it was a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wanted to know why. So I started digging into the science of methylphenidate to find out what it actually did in my brain. Within a couple of years, um, methylphenidate wasn't working quite as well. So I, because I knew how it worked in my brain, I figured there's got to be some way that I could add supplements to it to help mm -hmm. potentiate it or make it work better, and I did. Yep. That was my first foray into nootropics and, and taking supplements just to help my brain, to help the Ritalin work better. So anyway, I ended up, that, that's the long story on how I finally ended up writing about this. And then once I started writing about it, when I was doing the research, I realized that there was a huge gap in this market. There was no one place that people could go to learn about this stuff. Because I was getting all of my information off of places like PubMed, which is difficult for the average person to understand. And so that's when, almost three years ago now, I started Nootropics Expert. I wanted it to be the authority in the world of nootropics or brain supplements for your brain, to help your brain for everything from anxiety to PTSD to OCD to depression to neurodegenerative diseases like dementia and Alzheimer's, whatever. And that's what it's become. It's the most trafficked, most popular website in the world right now on how to fix your brain. See, that is fantastic. I mean, I'm so and, glad. And I wrote a couple of books. So <laughs> <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have those books on the show notes, folks, because, and this is one of the reasons I wanted to get David on, because he is a deep player. This isn't, we're not going to come in, we're not going to dance around the fire pole here. We're going to be talking about what actually can make a difference in human beings' lives and what the research is. This is what I, one of the reasons I really wanted to get David on board is because this is what we do here at Core Brain Journal. We want to get, we want to get the details right because we get the details right, we can actually help human beings out instead of playing at guesswork. So I think that's very, very compelling because in a way, in your history, you just covered every topic that we want to talk about, you know, just by who you are. You didn't want to deteriorate. You wanted to handle the PTSD, and you've had a history in the background of 
of attention deficit disorder, which is rapidly becoming, as I said a moment ago, an outdated term. But hey, it works. People want to know what to do about it. And I think what, what's going to happen, David, is you're going to be able to tell us not to just throw things at a person's brain willy-nilly, but here is how you can evaluate and treat these that's conditions right. effectively. And that's, yeah. that's the whole bottom line. So let's get started. Let's talk about PTSD a little bit, because I think, first of all, even the term, now I've been pronouncing it nootropic, but you pronounce it nootropic. There is a big debate in the neurohacking and biohacking space about how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And I figure that it's not worth arguing about how to pronounce it. Okay. I say nootropic. Other guys pronounce it nootropic. Uh, <laughs> oh. The term was actually coined by a guy named Dr. Uh, Gurgia, who is a Romanian uh, chemist back in like 1971 or something. This is a few years after he invented paracetam. Oh, really? In Uh Russia, yeah. He was the one that came up with the word nootropic. And it actually comes from the Greek, nu, which uh, is for mind, and trapein, which is to bend, or like tropics to bend the mind. And now we use that, but we make a distinction between nootropics and smart drugs. Oh, please tell us that. Yeah, the real serious people, because... Gurgia, he said, we're going to call it, this is what it's called, but these are the criteria that you have to use if you want to call it that. And I haven't got it right in front of me, but they were things like, they have to be able to help your brain without harming your brain. Mm-hmm. They can't be artificially stimulating. They can't be artificial. Things like that. You couldn't hurt yourself using this stuff. I got you. yeah. And smart and, drugs, smart drugs you could. Smart drugs, you could, because I call smart drugs, I'm referring to things like Ritalin, which I use, Adderall, Modafinil, those kinds of things. And I don't even write about those, except I refer to them once in a while when I'm writing about the natural supplements. It is absolutely possible to heal your brain using natural stuff. See, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So there's a big difference between nootropics and smart drugs, in my opinion. So the ones that we're going to talk about today for PTSD are all natural stuff. See, that's great. And I think really the, the start, I really didn't think about this in advance, so I don't want to uh, appear as if I did. But, you know, starting with PTSD is a great place to start, if you think about it, David, because it's one of those things. Now, your psychiatrist was really a very strong guy. He picked up a nuance of something with yep. you to really figure out what it is. But there are so many people dealing with trauma in our lifetime. And we've been talking to a number of people here in Core Brain Journal about different types of trauma. But what we're going to do is, first of all, it's kind of acute. It's like, hey, here's this thing that just reminds us it continues to be there. Let's define it to get started. It's a great place to start the conversation. Okay. Well, PTSD was first defined in 1980 by the American Psychiatric Association in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or DSM-3. And the American Psychiatric Association defines PTSD as, and I quote, this is from their manual, a traumatic event was conceptualized as a catastrophic stressor that was outside the range of usual human experience. Ouch. Did you get that? Yes, I did. A traumatic event was conceptualized as a catastrophic stressor that was outside the range of usual human experience. And what they had in mind when they made that definition was things like war, torture, rape, the Holocaust, atomic bombs, and natural and man-made disasters. 
Now, and you know this, while most people that are exposed to traumatic events do not develop PTSD, others go on to develop like a full-blown syndrome. Yes. Like I did. And it was not as severe as somebody that was coming back from Iraq, but it was severe enough that once I started looking through the symptoms, I went, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. That's what the psychiatrist was talking about and how he picked up on it. And I developed PTSD, I'm convinced, when I I went through a Category 5 hurricane. And I'd never been through something like that in my life. I didn't know. I was newly married, and we were in Antigua. And we were hiding in a concrete enclosure inside a great big hotel underneath a table for 24 hours. As things were just being ripped apart around us. And when you're in that kind of situation, you don't realize that you're just kind of like going, oh, shit, for 24 hours. Because <laughs> you don't know if you're going to die or not. <laughs> right, right. And that's going to affect you. Some, it's got to affect you some way or another. Yes. So a, a person that's been exposed to a catastrophic event or repeated exposure to horrific consequences of a traumatic event like police or body handlers, right? Yes, yes. The symptoms, let's quickly go over some of the symptoms here. They're broadly divided into re-experiencing symptoms, avoidance symptoms, arousal or reactivity symptoms, cognition or mood symptoms, and then there's children with PTSD. So under re-experiencing symptoms, we've got flashbacks, nightmares, or frightening thoughts. Avoidance systems are avoiding places, events, or objects that are reminders of the experience. I go into more detail with, on atropicsexpert.com, but um, arousal or reactivity uh, symptoms, the hypersensitivity, that was my deal, easily startled. I would just like something, I would hear a, a noise that you would not even notice, and I would jump. Or I would be sitting in front of somebody who I would, like an authority figure, like a doctor or something, and my neck would lock up. And nobody else ever noticed this, but I, I felt this happening to me all the time. So hypervigilance, always feeling tense or on edge, difficulty sleeping, irritability or angry outbursts, that's another problem that I still deal with. Cognition and mood symptoms like brain fog, trouble concentrating, loss of memory, depression, hopelessness, headaches, loss of interest in enjoyable activities. And then kids with PTSD, wetting the bed after they've already learned how to use the toilet or they they forget, or they're unable to talk, or they're acting out the scary event during playtime, or they're being unusually clingy with a parent or another adult. Now, there's increasing evidence that PTSD isn't just psychological. Several researchers have found that there's a strong link between PTSD and inflammation and other immune responses. And here's one of the studies that I was going to mention. The study published in the Journal of Psychiatric Research found elevated levels of C-reactive protein in survivors of the World Trade Center attack. So the association between this biomarker and PTSD is so strong that some people have posed diagnosing PTSD by measuring C-reactive protein that interesting? That is. I didn't know that there was a piece on that. We've seen that clinically repeatedly because we know people who have immune system dysregulation, even nuanced immune system dysregulation, like one would see from food sensitivity reactions, are infinitely more likely to get locked in on a PTSD experience because their resources are limited. They just can't pull it together. But I didn't know about the inflammatory compromise. I think it's very interesting. So what actually happens in your brain? 
I mean, that's in order for us to be able to figure out what to do about it, we need to know actually physically what's going on in their brain. And neuroscientists at the University of California, Berkeley, found that chronic stress triggers long-term changes in brain structure and function. They actually measured it. Chronic stress changes neural networks. The cortisol creates a domino effect that hardwires pathways between the hippocampus and amygdala. Now, the amygdala, as you know, is the lizard brain. And that's the area responsible for your fight or flight response. Now, this hardwiring that's caused by stress is not the way your brain was designed, right? Mm-hmm. But chronic stress, ongoing stress, tricks your brain into rebuilding the circuits and hunkering down for the long haul. And this rewiring appears to be permanent unless you intervene with something like any one of the things that we're going to be talking about a little bit later in this, in this podcast. Now, chronic stress also seems to flip a switch in stem cells in the brain, and it turns them into a type of cell that prevents connections to the prefrontal cortex, the area that's um, responsible or involved in learning and memory. So what you're doing is you're, lo- you're laying down the scaffolding linked to anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Another thing that chronic stress does is it coats neurons in myelin. It reduces the number of neurons. And gray matter decreases while white matter increases. Isn't that interesting? Under conditions of chronic stress and excess cortisol, your brain's neurons are coated or sheathed in myelin. Now, under healthy conditions, this sheathing procedure is a protective measure, yeah? But excessive sheathing... Probably, we're guessing now, but it's probably an evolutionary measure made to reinforce the connection between the hippocampus and the amygdala, improving the fight or flight response during extended periods of threat or attack, right? That's amazing. So basically what PTSD is, it's, it's hijacking your fight or flight response system, no matter what caused it, whether it was by war or a building collapsing around you or a, or a flood or a hurricane or whatever caused it. It just hijacked your fight or flight response and it doesn't give up. It's it facilitates it. So it just, it just pops the pathway up. Yeah. So first let's rewind a little bit here. If PTSD is diagnosed in somebody typically, and you know this, the doctor is likely going to prescribe antidepressants or benzodiazepines or dopamine blocking agents. And you might get referred to a psychiatrist for talk therapy And I think even worse is what they call prolonged exposure therapy, where you're told to keep on reliving the event until you're desensitized to it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just like true and unusual punishment. Really? (laughs) So true. So true. Unless you really, really want it brave, you might want to try it. But I highly recommend just using the tropics to try to heal some of this stuff. Yeah, really. Now, what I've got, I've got a list here of nootropics that, and I'll briefly explain, they're easy to get. You can buy this stuff, the majority of this stuff at places like the vitamin shop or Whole Foods or wherever they sell uh, supplements in your part of the world, if you're listening to this. The first one on my list is ashwagandha. It's an Ayurvedic herb, and it's been used for thousands of years for stress. Now, the thing about ashwagandha is it helps regenerate axons and dendrites of your neurons in your brain, and it helps reconnect synapses. And synapses are the junctions where neurons communicate with other neurons. So it helps boost memory and and restores neural networks that are affected by uh, severe stress caused by things like PTSD. Now, one example um, of a study done comparing ashwagandha with popular, uh, there's a benzo called Ativan and a tricyclic called Tofranil. Yep. 
They compared ashwagandha to both of those drugs, and the researchers concluded that as a mood stabilizer, ashwagandha worked on depression and anxiety, as well as either of those two antidepressants. And then we have Bacopa monieri. This is a perennial um, aquatic herb from Southeast Asia that it's also known as water hyssop or Brahmi. It's named after the supreme god Brahma. It's been used for thousands of years, and it's got bacocides A and B, which are the two active components. And those help improve the signaling of the electrical impulses between the neurons in your brain, and they also help rebuild the damaged neurons, the same neurons that are damaged by chronic stress, like from PTSD, and it reduces stress and anxiety. Now, there was, there's a, been a lot of research on this, and one that I linked to that I'll send you the links to all of these clinical studies. This is, uh, was done at Banaras Hindu University in India. It showed that Bacopa was as effective for anxiety as the benzolorazepam. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. One of the side effects of lorazepam is memory loss. So true. But Bacopa, Monieri, on the other hand, reduces anxiety while boosting cognition. Okay, and then we have NADH. NADH is a coenzyme form of vitamin B3 or niacin, and it's found naturally in your brain. NADH is a primary carrier of electrons from uh, glucose and lactate for ATP synthesis. And ATP is a fuel source for mitochondria. And that's the power supply in every one of your brain cells and the rest mm -hmm. of your body as well. But your brain has got more mitochondria than any other place in your body, including your heart. So you need NADH to transfer the energy from the food you eat into the type of energy that your body can use. And research has shown that supplementing with NADH regenerates stem cells in your brain. It decreases anxiety and it reduces symptoms of chronic fatigue. Mm. And there's actually, there's some clinics in the U.S. and other countries that are actually using NADH therapy as a treatment for addiction, anxiety, depression, chronic stress, and PTSD. Yeah. Lithium orotate. Lithium it's a trace element, and it's, a, it's a, like a, a silvery white alkali metal that's been used since Roman times. For um, people back in those days, you just soak in mineral springs, right, that had lithium yes. in it for physical and mental stress. Today, as you know, as a psychiatrist, lithium has is, got this reputation as being a drug used for treating things like bipolar disorder and mania. But the clinical research on the neuroprotective benefits of lithium are so overwhelming, you've got to ask yourself, why isn't everybody using it? Here, we're not talking about those kinds of doses. Here, we're talking about microdosing lithium. Yes, it's small doses. Yeah. Tiny, it's tiny, like in tiny doses. Milligrams. It's not, it's not 300 Correct. milligrams. Five milligrams, lithium orotate, for treating the symptoms of PTSD. Lithium has been shown to prevent apoptosis which is brain cell death. It reduces glutamate toxicity mediated by NMDA receptors. It promotes BDNF or brain-derived nootropic factor, which has been called miracle growth for the brain, but that's needed for synaptic plasticity, for learning and memory, and it stimulates neuronal stem cells. Lithium does all that stuff. So supplementing with lithium has been shown to stabilize mood and prevent depression and even suicide. And I use it personally to put a stop to outbursts of rage. You know, I mentioned that I've had this problem with outbursts sometimes. Sometimes my wife will hand me two lithium tablets. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call it. She a has some in her purse when we're out. That's a big hint. <laughs> in case I lose it, and she just hands me a couple of lithium tablets, and, and within 10 minutes, the rage is gone. 
I've just you know, I'm going to tell you why you're on lithium because I don't know where you're going to go with it. But I'm just going to mention something real quickly to you because you would be interested in this. But lithium also helps with the receptors, the serotonin receptors that are uh, sometimes damaged uh, genetically. And what happens is it actually facilitates their ability to actually hook up with serotonin. When you have a person, because you can do the nice thing about all this genetic testing is when I was a kid 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we thought that the genetic testing for cytochrome P450 in the liver enzyme system was great. That was a big deal. And now we're into the genetics of the serotonin transporters and the transporter mechanism. Lithium can help with that. I'll just look, look Excellent. Look that. that's, that's good info. Uh, the next one on my list is L-theanine. Uh, that's a non-dietary amino acid that you find in green tea. And it's very similar in structure to the neurotransmitters L-glutamate and L-glutamine. L-theanine boosts alpha brain waves, which promotes alert relaxation, and theta brain waves, which are associated with creativity and relief from trauma. L-theanine increases GABA, serotonin, and dopamine levels in your brain. It increases brain-derived nootropic factor, or BDNF, and nerve growth factor. It's an antagonist of NMDA receptors, which inhibits the synaptic release of glutamate. Mm -hmm. So it protects your brain from overstimulation caused by glutamate and glutamate toxicity. And my preferred way of getting L, you can buy capsules. My preferred way of getting L-theanine and what I'm doing right now is drinking a cup of green tea. Drink a cup, three or four cups of green tea a day and you get your, your L-theanine. Phenobet. Phenobet is a little harder to get than everything else. You can't buy Phenobet at Whole Foods or the vitamin shop, but it's easy enough to buy online. All Phenobet is is an analog of the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA, and it was developed in St. Petersburg in Russia in 1963, and it's since been used as a pharmaceutical in many places in the world for treating PTSD, anxiety, depression, insomnia, alcoholism, and other brain problems. The reason why it works is it's the addition of a phenyl ring allows phenobit to cross the blood-brain barrier more readily than what GABA does because GABA is such a big molecule, it has a hard time getting across. Yeah. So it helps boost GABA in your brain, and it's been shown to decrease beta brain waves and increase alpha brain waves. Now, some biohackers say that Phenobit is the best anti-anxiety medication that they've ever used, including some well-known pharmaceuticals like um, clonazepam, diazepam, alprozolam. I can't pronounce some Alprazolam. Yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> that are normally used to treat anxiety. They find that Phenobit works better than that. And I've even seen reports when I was doing the research for this, reports by combat veterans who say that Phenobit worked far better than any prescription anti-anxiety med that they had ever used. So that's, it's really truly worth considering if, you're, if nothing else works, see if you can hunt down some Phenobit. Well, especially if you think about PTSD and the number of individuals who are addicted to benzos, benzodiazepines, the Ativan, yep. Librium, Valium, the Alprazolam, which is Xanax. All of those things are so completely addictive. They have a problem that's called tachyphylaxis. And what happens is you take them for a while. And because those guys, they mess up the entire situation so that they work for a while and they don't work anymore. And the natural inclination is to increase the right. dose. And then, of course, then probably desensitizes the receptor. Yeah. So, so, so you know, that's, that's fantastic information. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. Um, Look at this, this, this next one is a lot easier to get. Rhodiola, Rhodiola rosea. It's got very remarkable stress relieving and anti-anxiety properties. 
It helps neurogenesis by repairing and growing new neurons. It helps activate the synthesis and resynthesis of ATP, which is your brain cell's primary energy source. It helps reduce C-reactive protein, which, as you recall, people were talking about using that as a diagnostic tool for PTSD. And solidricide, which is one of the many components in this herb, protects neurons from oxidative stress-induced cell death. So there are studies have been shown clinically that it actually increases the number of neurons in the hippocampus to normal levels. And these are the same neurons that are lost to PTSD. One study published in Phytomedicine evaluated the efficacy of using rhodiola rosea compared to Zoloft. The research team concluded that even though rhodiola offered slightly less antidepressant benefits, it possessed, and I quote from the study, a more favorable risk-to-benefit ratio for those with mild to moderate depression. Another one that's easy to get is SAMe. This is a naturally occurring amino acid methionine, which is bound to an ATP molecule and it's found in nearly every cell in your body. SAMe helps produce and break down acetylcholine, dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, and melatonin in your brain. Studies have shown that SAMe is extremely effective in treating depression without the side effects of using prescription antidepressants. And while pharmaceutical antidepressants can take anywhere from six to eight weeks to begin working, SAMe works a lot faster than that. I'm going to pause you just for a second and tell you a quick thing. You may not know this, and I think it's just so interesting because some of our listeners may, may have heard. If you get a chance, David, you want to go over to listen to my interview with Bill Walsh on Core Brain Journal, and he's at 115. Bill Walsh is one of the international thought leaders on methylation process. Uh-huh. As it relates to the modification of the transporter proteins on the presynaptic nerves that are sucking up and recycling neurotransmitters. And what happens is if a person is undermethylated, when they are undermethylated, those transporter proteins are turned a little bit too on, too much in the on position, and they're sucking the neurotransmitters out of the synapse. Uh-huh. And then when you do SAMe, you come in and you put a little more, a little methylation on the, on the process. It slows them down so that there's a better balance between what's being taken back up and what remains in the synapse so that you can actually have efficacy increase from a previous problem of undermethylation. That makes perfect sense. You get a kick out of that. We should probably throw in a bit of caution here, though, but if you're using SAMe, it needs vitamin B6 and B12 and folate to work. Otherwise, just taking SAMe on, on its own is just going to elevate your homocysteine levels. High homocysteine causes heart attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've got one more on the list here, and that's St. John's wort. St. John's wort is a really potent antidepressant, and it's been used to treat a variety of illnesses, both internal and external, dating back to the Greeks. St. John's wort does a lot of stuff. It inhibits the uptake of serotonin, dopamine, GABA, glutamate, norepinephrine. And when you inhibit the neural uptake of these neurotransmitters, it's got a profound effect on depression and mood. It de- St. John's wort extract decreases oxidative stress. It prevents neurotoxicity and brain inflammation, and it helps maintain mitochondria electrical potential in brain cells. St. John's wort moderates the genes controlling the function of your HPA mm-hmm. axis, which is directly related to symptoms of anxiety and stress. In 1977, the British Medical Journal published a meta-analysis of 23 previously published studies on St. John's wort that they took from foreign medical journals 
and the analysis showed that overall St. John's wort was significantly superior to a placebo and was as effective as a pharmaceutical antidepressant. The same journal published another study in 2005 showing that St. John's wort was equally effective in treating depression and better tolerated than Paxil. So it's been extensively studied for treating a wide range of health dis, uh, disorders, including PTSD. But you've got to use caution in using St. John's wort. If you're using on any kind of antidepressant medication, you've got to be super, super careful or you've got something like serotonin syndrome. And I've got links to all of those precautions and, and, and stuff like that in my main article on PTSD and on St. John's wort over on Nootropics Expert. You know, so, I'm going to stop right there because I just realized real quickly, David, that we didn't talk about your book, The Secrets of the Optimized Brain. Secrets of the Optimized Brain is a free download. All you have to do is go to nootropicsexpert.com and on all pages, either at the top or in the right sidebar is an opt-in form. You just put in your email address and I'll send you a copy of the book. It's about 75 pages and... What it is, is um, basically a little manual of, I think, I forget how many, 72 different supplements, what they are, just brief, a brief summary of what they are, what they do, and how much to take. So that's a free download. My big book, Head First, that's almost 600 pages. Yeah, that's uh, the big one. That's a manual. That's a manual on how to that's fix your brain. That is exciting, you know, and I want to make sure before we go any further, right, while we're talking about resources that you have, I want to make sure that we drive people over to your YouTube site. Mm. In fact, you've got so many things over there. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that while you're on the subject? YouTube channel is one of the most popular channels on YouTube right now for talking about nootropics and dietary supplements for your brain. I don't, the last time I, it keeps on going up by 2000, but the last time I checked, I think it was 22,000 subscribers. I've got, I think 92 videos on there that cover everything from alpha lipoic acid to zinc and everything in between. So if you don't like reading, but you like watching <laughs> videos, just go to YouTube and type, start typing in nootropics, N-O-O tropics and nootropics expert is suggested right near the top. And I, I'm actually going to be doing some videos tomorrow. Oh, that's fantastic. That is, that is just fantastic. Well, you know, what I want to do, we have just a few more minutes here, and I want to tap your brain on just to take this conversation just a little bit further down the road in terms of, first of all, I want to thank you right, right now, before we go any further, for just a, a remarkably good summary right off the top of your head of what to do about PTSD in some very constructive ways that can help out the neurophysiology of brain function. Some of the words that uh, David was using, friends, were over your heads, okay? That's true. Because, you know, he's using, he's using some science and he's talking about neurotransmitter systems, GABA, and this and that and the other thing, L-theanine. But, but listen, this is part of what we're doing here at Core Brain is introducing you to the language that honestly we all need to know. So a good place, if you're not well-read, is to start at YouTube channel and to download his book, and to take these, these little messages that David has and start to learn about the application so you can actually take the next step that I'm going to ask David about right now, and that is let's try to put this a little bit more into a package if we can, David, and not to put you on the spot a little bit, but I think people are going to say, okay, that's a lot of really cool information, okay. but I've got some serious PTSD. What do I do? Start with a combination of, and you can write these down, 
ashwagandha or bacopa monnieri, lithium orotate, NADH, SAMe with a high quality B complex supplement, and rhodiola. So that's one, two, three, four, five supplements. It is very unlikely that you're going to deal, treat something as serious PTSD with one thing. There's no thing, such thing as a one pill solution here. We call this a nootropic stack. It'll take a nootropic stack of five or six different supplements to help relieve you of your system, of your symptoms, but it really does work. All right, let's take a moment to talk about that word stack because that's, that word is not familiar to a lot of our audience. So let's take a moment to just explain that, please. Okay, take a look at the back of your, your multivitamin. The list of all those vitamins and minerals, when you put those together, we call that a stack. Basic. It's basic. It's ind individual ingredients stacked together and taken together. Now, each one of these has specific dosing instructions. So you would use my book, either one, Secrets of the Optimized Brain or Head First or the website or Nootropics Expert or the YouTube channel and get the dosage instructions. And dosage instructions are often different than what's on the label. If you go to Whole Foods or the vitamin shop or wherever you go shopping for supplements in your part of the world and you get ashwagandha, chances are real good that their recommendation of how much you should take is different than what I found in clinical studies and practical experience that actually works. It could okay. be higher or it could be lower. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. it's a little bit higher. But yeah, that's a stack of five different supplements along with a, a high-quality B-complex vitamin, and you take that every day and... There's no wow factor here. It's not, so you're going to feel Keep different. Going. You're going to feel different pretty soon. You'll probably feel better right away. But the big changes, you're not going to realize for two or three months down the road when you're not paying attention and you realize that something happened, somebody cut you off in traffic and you didn't react. Or somebody yelled at you and you didn't react. Or you got to the grocery store and you forgot the shopping list on the fridge and you remembered everything that was on the shopping list. And that never happened before. Or your sleep is better. Or your sleep is better. Or your mood is better. You're in a better mood all day. But this stuff really, really does work. See, know? that is a fantastic, David. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the uh, bringing it down to a very utilitarian level right there where we can go out and do something about it. Now, I want to clarify one point, which you said kind of quickly, and I know it entered my mind, so it's going to enter other people's minds. Do you think, generally speaking, the recommendations from something you buy at Whole Foods is lower or higher than what's recommended in the literature? It depends. It really depends on the supplement. So then just don't even, don't go with any generalization. Just make sure you look at the literature and figure out what's going on before you jump into it. Yeah, and I've summarized all of that in my books and on the website and the YouTube channel to say, this is what I've found that works. This is what the science says, and this is what practical experience shows actually works. Fantastic. So you got to do a little bit of research. I mean, people, you take responsibility for your own health. If you want to get better, take the initiative. Do a little bit of research. I've tried to distill it down so that it's in plain English, that anybody can understand it. Anybody, no matter what, even if you have a hard time. I've got tens of thousands of people around the world that their first language isn't even English, and they use this material, Nootropics Expert, and they understand what they need to do. See, I think that is absolutely fantastic. And I think your admonition is extremely well taken because it's the same thing we say all the day. I mean, I'm still in clinical practice and, and we do everything we can to help a person take more responsibility for themselves and really understand what we're doing. We, our whole mission, whether we're, whatever we're using to help a person out, 
our whole mission is, is to educate them so that they know what's expected with the dose, with the medication, and what should happen. And if it doesn't happen, I tell them, look, I'm the complaint department. This, if there's a problem, don't go off and, and stew about it. Just come in and tell me what's going on because yeah. we may not do it right. No, I know. And, and one thing, there's no one size fits all. We have a, a, a phrase that we use in the biohacking world called your mileage may vary. Oh, yeah, I love that. Right? Um, because how some, how this, my brain reacts to something might be very different from how your brain reacts to something. So we try to come up with very general recommendations that work for most people, but we also include, I include very specific side effects. And so you go, if you got to have a bad reaction to something, go and take a look at the website or in the book and look at the side effects and say, aha, that's the culprit. Mm -hmm. I don't react well to ashwagandha. I'll try Bacopa Monnieri instead. Or I don't react well to Rhodiola Rosea. I'll try something else instead. That's the idea is you just keep on experimenting until you find the sweet spot and something that actually works. What a useful, I mean, it's so helpful. We, we really appreciate you taking the time on here. We're going to close down, but I want to remind everybody as we start to close down here, David, thanks. Thanks so much. We're going to have David, uh, David and I agreed, we're going to talk some more about two other absolutely germane topics, which are related to nootropics and related to brain function and related to the literature and the growing literature of what others can do, what others have found and that you can do to actually help your brain in the aging process and with ADHD. And we're going to come back. We're going to have two separate sessions for those because each one is loaded with tons of information. And as you can see, we've been talking nonstop. I would say even David's been talking pretty well nonstop. I interrupted him just a couple of times <laughs> because I think it's great. Why would I interrupt somebody, somebody that's just putting out so much great information that everybody can use from a guy who's a world-class expert on a topic that every single person listening to Core Brain Journal should be significantly involved with. So that's, we really thank you a great deal, David. I'm, we're going to look forward to having you come back. And uh, is there anything you want to say in closing, my friend? My motivation is to, I, nootropics saved my life. They really did. Six years ago, I was diagnosed with um, a very severe hypothyroid and my life tanked. My marriage was falling apart, lost all of my business. I was going broke and I just felt like I wanted to die. And I even had two different neurologists test me for pre-onset Alzheimer's, early onset Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. and it came out now, it wasn't, it wasn't Alzheimer's or dementia, but I lost my memory. And I knew enough about nootropics at that stage that I knew that if I wanted to get better, I was going to have to figure it out on my own because the doctors couldn't help me. And I did. Mm -hmm. And now my brain is working better than it ever has before. So if it works for me, it can work for anybody in the world. It really can. And I hope this message reaches the person that needs that help. Well, I share that concern with you. I appreciate your contribution. I want to talk to you about some other matters real quickly. So when we finish this recording, please hang on for a little bit because I got some other things to talk about. But thank you again, David, for coming on board. Just an outstanding discussion, presentation. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. 
We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.